0: Great to see you all here, and uh, great if you're joining us online. Um, I've got two announcements to make. Um, The first, uh, which is immediately relevant for those of us who are in the building, is that there'll be refreshments um, served to you outside after the service this evening, so I do hope you can stay for that. And the second is really something for us to pray about, um, because this week will be the first. Uh, time that the Connect work um, happens after the summer down at Alderbrook. And uh, it will be great if people come, they hear about Jesus, and they want to know more about him. So it will be good for us to pray about that. Um, as I was getting ready for this evening, um, I was uh, looking into um, a few things about somebody I was interested in. And he said this. He said, True religion is like the smallpox. If you get it, you give it to others and it spreads. Now, we've spent a lot of time thinking about a virus and thinking about how to stop that virus spreading. But for those of us who say we're Christians, is it true of us that our true Christianity is like smallpox? We've got it. We give it to others, and it's spreading. This was said by a young man who was playing cricket for England, educated at the best university in the country, and the son of a very rich father. He put his money where his mouth was, he sold up everything, gave away his inheritance... I went to tell the people of China about Jesus. That impresses me, as an example. But it's absolutely nothing compared with the example that we're going to sing about now. Because we cannot tell why the one that glorious bodies, angels worshipped, came to this earth to start in a stable and to be treated so badly by us. So let's stand and sing and worship as we sing. I cannot tell why he who angels worship. pray oh lord our god we thank you that we come to you the king of kings the lord of lords and father we ask that through your spirit you will help us to pray to you oh father we thank you that we're not to come with some big rigmarole but we can come to you as your children because of Jesus, because Jesus died so that we can be accepted, so that we can be welcomed into your family. And Lord, we thank you that the whole family that belongs to you over the whole world belongs to you because of Jesus. And we thank you that you are working and that every day you are rescuing people from darkness and bringing them into the glorious light of knowing you. Oh, Father, we pray especially for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted because they love you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for reports that we've heard of how they are so keen to share the good news of Jesus that they are telling their neighbours, even though telling their neighbours might mean that their neighbours tell the police and the police might arrest them and they may be killed. Oh, Father, we do thank you that your love, when it grasps us, when we understand it, is something that makes us willing, makes us glad to share the good news that we have found. And, Lord, we pray that as March brings the good news about Jesus, as he highlights to us what Jesus has done for us. Oh Lord, that we may be inspired, that we may be motivated to tell others of you. And Lord, we pray that our lives and our words will be words that are consistent, that there'll be healing words, that people will see that there is something lovely about us, something like Jesus about us. So they want to know why we have that hope in us. Oh Lord, we ask your forgiveness for the times that our words are like knives, for the times that our words are cutting people down. Oh Lord, turn us away from that and help us to speak right. Oh Lord, we thank you for the heart behind Connect. And we pray, Lord, that young people will come from Alderbrook. We ask that they will hear. We pray that they will see the evidence of your work in the lives of those who are encouraging them about you and that they will be hungry to know you too. Oh Lord, we pray for all of us but especially for those of us who are going away from home, going into an environment where we have the choices, Lord, I do pray for them. I pray that you will give them a hunger to know you above all things, that you will help them to understand that the world is a very separated place. There are two peoples in this world. There are people of darkness and there are people of light. There are people who are objects of your anger because they're rebelling against you. And there are people who are your children and are loved by you and know that they're forgiven and welcomed by you. Oh Lord, we ask that you will leave none of us and none of our families to be those who are choosing to be objects of wrath, who are turning their back on the great Saviour. Oh, Father, we pray that you will work, and we ask that you will work in the hearts of those of us who love you. Oh, Lord, we pray that we will be bright lights shining for you, We ask that you'll forgive our sins. We pray that you'll fill us with your spirit so that our worship is acceptable to you and so that we are contagious. Oh Lord, do save us from being cowardly and pretending that that means that's normal for being English. Oh Lord, do give us a right boldness to love our friends, our colleagues enough to be contagious Christians. Oh Lord, we thank you that you're over the whole world. We thank you you're over our government. We pray, Lord, that you'll give them wisdom. We pray that you'll protect them from corruption. We ask, Lord, that the decisions they make will be genuinely for the good of the people. And Lord, we do ask that you will work in the hearts of many in power. Oh Lord, without God and without hope in this world is such a description. And Lord, we pray that in your mercy you will change things. Oh, we thank you that we worship you. We pray, Lord, you'll help us as we continue to worship and that we will be blessed by seeing your hand at work here in Crowborough, in our lives and in the lives of our friends and families and in the lives of the people we meet and in the lives of the people they meet and Lord we pray that your good news will spread Amen One of the things we need is that sense of rightness with God And it's going to be a real privilege to sing of our great Redeemer, the one who paid the price for us. Then after our song, um, Ray is going to come and read God's word to us. So let's stand and sing, There is a Redeemer.
1: Our reading this evening is taken from Ephesians chapter 2 and we're reading the whole chapter. So that's Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So read the word of God.
0: Thanks, Ray. Um, After our next song... Um, Mark is going to be coming and teaching us from God's word. And one of the things that I find as we come to worship is that it's very easy just to go straight into a song and not think about what we're about to sing. So can you just put the words out, Rachel? And I, I, I ask you, have, have a, 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 just a pause and a think of, what does the fact that Jesus was crucified mean to you? Christians can say, that was for me. Can you say that's for me? Let's stand and sing. <laughs>
2: Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see you all. Just a couple of quick questions at the beginning. How would you identify yourself if you asked to identify yourself? How would you do it? What what makes up who you are? And then, if you had to limit that to to just one phrase or one word, what? what would you say about yourself? What would be the most important thing? It's tough, isn't it? Identity is a, is a big topic these days and I'm sure many of you uh, know of people who choose to identify in certain ways. Who we are has become very important to people. You see, you see that a lot. And our sense of identity can really impact our lives it can really impact how we think and how we behave and our identity can have a significant role in determining how we sort of perceive and understand the world around us and also how we face different challenges and opportunities that come our way our identity is is important and in the new testament uh, in the letters especially in the letters of paul but elsewhere as well that they are desperate for Christians to get their identity right. Because how we see ourselves and what we believe about ourselves massively impacts our lives. And there's one phrase that we see over and over again in the New Testament. And it's this identity, being in Christ. That's the the theme for this evening. It's a, a bit of a theme evening, really, being in Christ. And so what I want us to think about this evening in just the next half an hour or so is, is what does it mean, briefly, what does it mean to be in Christ? And then secondly, what things become true of us if we are in Christ? This is a, a huge theme, and uh, you realise more and more of that the more you get into it, um, Paul alone uses this phrase, or the equivalent, well over a hundred times in his New Testament letters. So there's no way that tonight is going to be an exhaustive study of all the times that we see in Christ, because we'd still be going on in a few days' time. And uh, I know some of you have got work tomorrow. So we're not going to do that. But, and, I, and I hope tonight isn't sort of overwhelming. But, but what I want us to do is just almost a bit of an overview, just dip in and see what does it mean to be in Christ. And we're going to jump around, as it were, the the New Testament and and see lots of the verses where it tells us what is true if we're in Christ. So if we were to simplify it down, simplify it right down, there's so many things it means, but if we were to simplify it right down, this is my best attempt anyway, being in Christ is having a, a living relationship with Jesus where we are united to him. We are joined to him. So having a living relationship with Christ where we are united to him. And the Bible gives us different illustrations to help us get a bit of a sense of, of kind of what this means. So one of the pictures that I find most helpful is the picture in 1 Corinthians 6. It's marriage marriage. So you've got a husband and a wife and what happens? They become one flesh and they share everything they have although people nowadays don't do that quite as much they should do <laughs> but, but they share everything they have they're married they, they become one and it's explained that that's, that's what it's like really with us and Christ that, that spiritually we're, we're one in spirit we're, we're joined together what, what is his becomes ours And wonderfully, what is ours becomes his. And that has some wonderful implications that we'll delve into a little bit later. Another illustration, uh, many of you know it well, Jesus being the vine and us being the branches. You know how it is that a branch is connected to the tree. It's it's one thing, but the branch takes its life from the tree. And that's how we're connected to Jesus. We're, We're connected, we become one, but we are the ones that source our life from Jesus being in the Christ is about being connected in a living relationship to Jesus one of the dangers of using the word Christian is that many people nowadays don't really have a clue what it means and in their minds it means all sorts of sometimes very weird and wacky things interestingly in the Bible the word Christian is only actually used three times it is overwhelmingly Much more common to see the phrase, in Christ. In Christ. It's a wonderful description of what true Christians are. We are in Christ. And you see this all over. Philippians 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Romans 16 verse 3. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers, in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5 verse 14. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Paul and, and Peter want, want the Christians there to be reminded that the most important thing about them is that they are connected to Christ. That is, that is the most important thing. They're connected to Christ in a union. But why is this so important? Why is this so exciting for, for Christians? Because when you are in Christ, there are all sorts of things that become true of you. In Ephesians 1, we're told that we've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so we're going to look at lots of different verses. We're going to look at them really quite quickly. Um, So forgive me if we go quite fast over some of them. But we're going to go over the different verses and just look at all the different spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. I've only picked a few, and I could say so much more about them than I have. But you've got to stop somewhere. And what I hope is that it will be a little bit like taking uh, jewels out of a treasure box. That we'll sort of take them out, as it were. That we'll look at them. That we'll admire them. That we'll sort of gaze in wonder at them and, and put them on, as it were. That's, that's the kind of hope for tonight. And, and if you're not a Christian, then my hope for you is that you'll see these jewels that belong to Christians and you'll think, that's what I want, that's what I need. So, that's my hope. So what is the first jewel, as it were The first jewel is that if you are in Christ, you are part of an eternal plan. You're part of an eternal plan. Ever since before time began, God the Father has been planning to save us. It's amazing, isn't it? Planning to save us. He's been planning to make us special to him through his son, Jesus. This is what it says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. God who saved, uh, saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This isn't a recent thing that God has decided. God didn't suddenly decide one day, well, I'm going to forgive these people, I'm going to make them mine. No, in fact, Ephesians says that it was before the foundation of the world that God decided that in Christ he was going to call a people that he was going to make his own. Ephesians 1 verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. It's quite easy to get caught up in verses like this and others in Ephesians 1 and sort of focus on on the wrong things, but really what Paul is doing here is he's encouraging us that that this is not an afterthought by God to do this, that even since before the foundation of the earth, that God had this plan to, to make us special in Christ so that we could live for him, that we could be blameless and holy. If we are in Christ, we are part of an eternal plan. Second jewel, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, In him, or we might say in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. So a trespass is when you uh, commit an offence against someone or a set of rules. And the Bible tells us very clearly that we have clearly committed offences against God and against his, his rules. There, there can be no claims of innocence. We're all guilty. There, there can be no claims of, well, I just didn't know. As we stand in the, in the courtroom, as it were, of God and we're in the dock, we are guilty. All of us. We, we have trespassed. We stand guilty, at least if we're standing by ourselves. But if we are in Christ, then we see in that verse that we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Forgiveness. Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The slate has been wiped clean. No condemnation. And isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. Just as you stop and think, especially you know when you're weighed down by a sense of guilt, and just that that feeling that as we come to Christ, we we have forgiveness. One of my favourite things is hearing some of your stories that you've shared as you've become a Christian, and your story of of that moment when you are forgiven. Um, it's different in different people, but some of you have shared of that peace that just overwhelms you. Some of you have shared of that, that, that happiness that just grabs hold of you. Some of you have even described it as weightlessness. It's a beautiful feeling, that sense of forgiveness. And we need to hold on to this, don't we, Christians? We need to hold on to this, that sense of we're, we're forgiven in Christ. There's no condemnation. The slate has been wiped clean. Ephesians 4 verse 32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We're forgiven. In Christ we're also righteous. Third, Jewel, we're righteous. Being forgiven is a a wonderful thing. We've had the the slate wiped clean, as it were, in Christ. But in Christ we are also righteous. Righteous. We have the righteousness of Jesus. Every bit of his righteousness becomes ours. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So because we're united in him, he takes on our sin, and we get to take on his righteousness because we're, we're one in spirit. You remember the, the picture of marriage? You're, you're one, so what is theirs becomes yours, and what is yours becomes theirs. And, and this is what we see with, with Jesus. This morning, um, in Rooted, we were thinking about the really important question, what is a Christian? And we had two t-shirts, and on one of the t-shirts we wrote down some of the things uh, that we do in life. There are some good things, being kind, giving to charity, Sadly, there were also some bad things. There was lying on there. There were all sorts. I've got them to be honest. But the other t-shirt, we wrote down all the things that Jesus has done. Uh, And there were different things. So healing the sick, healing the blind, uh, loving the poor, compassion, saving us. All those things. That was on the the t-shirt that was Jesus' as it were. They're two very different t-shirts. And at the end, I got them to swap t-shirts. I remember doing this as a children's talk many years ago. But it is quite striking seeing Jesus with, with the sin on him, standing condemned. And then seeing someone else who just before was so guilty and condemned standing there with just perfection on. With just all these good things, with this, with this righteousness. And that's what... Christ does for us he takes our sin from us and he gives us our righteousness it's not a fair swap at all but he does it out of love Philippians 3 verse 9 and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith some of us uh, sung a hymn A week ago, last Thursday, I believe, uh, God of the covenant, try you in Jehovah. And it's got this beautiful phrase in it. And it's this. Jesus, our surety, our kinsman redeemer, round us the robe of his righteousness flings. Isn't that great? Round us the robe of his righteousness flings. So if we are in Christ, we have Jesus' righteousness as ours. What else? Well, we are brought near to God. In Christ, we are brought near to God. Listen to how Paul describes the Ephesians in Ephesians 2. We have this read for us. Verse 12, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. They were completely separated from God. They were far off. There was a great chasm between them and God and there was no hope, it says. But in Christ Jesus, they've been brought near. Only Christ could bring them near. Nothing else could. And we need exactly the same. We're separated from God when we're born. There's a great chasm that we cannot cross. The Bible describes us as enemies of God. But in Christ... We are brought near to God by his blood. This is why we celebrate communion, because we're remembering that we can be brought near to God. It's a wonderful thing. In Christ, we've been reconciled. We now have access to God. This is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We're no longer enemies of God. We're family. We've been brought in close. What else? Another jewel. We see that we're alive. We're alive. Well, this can seem a strange one. You look around you and you see, well, people will look pretty alive to me. But if we are in Christ, we have a special life. A life that's been given to us by God and it's for God. And just as Jesus died to sin and now lives for God, Paul says this in Romans 6. He says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus died to sin. That's what his death was all about. He took the sin of us on the, on the cross and by rising again he's shown that he's defeated death death has no more dominion over him no more power over him he's defeated it death doesn't have dominion over him in the same way that it does over the rest of mankind Jesus has eternal life and if we are in him that is what we share We share that that victory over death and we share that eternal life in Christ. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have life because Jesus rose again. We, We get to enjoy that life because of our union with him. Now next Sunday, God willing, we have a very special service in the morning. We have a baptism service, Corrie Hitchcock, looking forward to it, hope you are too. And, and baptism is a, is a picture of dying and being resurrected with Jesus. It's a, it's a physical picture of something spiritual that has happened in, in Corrie's life. And this is explained a bit more in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried therefore with him. It's a picture of when you go down under the water. Buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That's what, that's what Corrie's sharing with us, that she is now united to Christ. That she's died and been resurrected with Christ and is now walking in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. It's quite a statement, isn't it, to be making? So we are, we are alive with the life that Jesus gives. Number six, the sixth jewel, new creation. We are a new creation. This is... 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Well, when we become a, a Christian, we don't look in the mirror and suddenly sort of think, who's that? I don't recognise that, it's a completely new person. Uh, we don't change on on the outside, and, and sometimes we don't even feel that different, some of us, when we become Christians, but actually what has happened inside is huge we're we are completely new we're different spiritually there's been a, a complete change and as we live our lives as a, as a new creation that, that God has made us we become more and more like Jesus who we are in as we grow as a, a new creation we become more like Christ and it impacts everything So it impacts our character. It impacts what we're like as people. It impacts our relationship with God. It impacts our relationship with other people. It impacts the words that we say. Living in a a new... uh, uh, Sorry, living in a relationship with Jesus where we are new makes us more like him. And, uh, And I find this super helpful... Because sometimes when, when you're really struggling with sin uh, and you're feeling low, it can be very easy to kind of think, this is who I am. That this is, there's nothing I can do about it. It's just basically my identity. But actually in, in Christ we have hope. That That is not, really who we are in Christ that In in Christ we are a new creation sin may impact us but it is not our master anymore it doesn't have dominion over us in the same way that it did before we were in Christ I found that encouraging this week that in Christ we've got the power and the ability to overcome sin and to live for God in a way that pleases him a way that we never could have done before. Okay, second to last one. We're given the Holy Spirit. We're given the Holy Spirit. This is Ephesians 1, verses 13 to 14. Sorry if you're struggling to keep up with all the verses. It says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So in Christ we have a guarantee of our inheritance. God gives us this inheritance, or we might say this down payment, as it were, of our share of the kingdom of God. Those of us who are are Christians, those of us who are in Christ, can be confident that our place in heaven is secure because we have the Holy Spirit living in us and he is protecting us and he's preserving us and he's making us ready for our home in heaven. It's protected, it's reserved for us. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us live for Christ. lastly our last jewel that we're looking at this evening raised up in christ we are raised up this one's a bit of a mystery some of the others are as well in some ways but this one is a bit of a a mystery but i think it's so helpful for us to think about we thought earlier about the fact that if we are united to Christ, we uh, are united in His death and we are united in His resurrection is what the Bible teaches us. But of course, what happened after Jesus' death and resurrection? After that, he ascended again to heaven, didn't he? He ascended, and of course, because we are united to him, well in, in a sense, that's what's happened to us. We, we too are in the heavenly places. Let me uh, read from Ephesians 2. Hopefully it will explain it a bit better. God, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That in Christ Jesus... We are eternally safe because, in a sense, we are already seated with him in in glory. It's worth thinking about for a moment, isn't it? And this also just has, I think, some really practical implications of this. So, if we spiritually have already been raised with Christ, if we are united with Christ in heaven then then how should that impact what we think about? Obviously there are many things down here in this life that keep us occupied. We have to think about them. But but we should set our minds, our, our main focus should be on the things above. Paul in Colossians explains why. He says this in this is Colossians three. If then you have been raised with Christ, The the reason we're to think of heavenly things is is not simply because it does us good or because it's our future, but actually because in a a spiritual sense, that's already our reality. In a spiritual sense, we are already hidden with Christ. We are already seated with him in glory. We're hidden in the heavenly places. So set your minds on things above, Christian. And when Jesus appears again, the Bible says we will appear with him in glory. That's what we look forward to, isn't it, when we're united with him fully in glory. There's so many other things I could mention about being united in Christ. We're sons in Christ. That'd be a great topic. We're free in Christ. Um, we're one in Christ. In the reading uh, just now, we saw that we're being built into a house for God in Christ. It'd be a great series, wouldn't it, really? But I hope it's done us good, just having a, what can be described really as a whistle-stop tour of the verses where it talks about what is true for us if we are in Christ. And maybe maybe sometimes uh, you, you feel inadequate as a Christian. You feel very insufficient. Well, I hope these things have encouraged you because Christ is all-sufficient and you are in Christ. Maybe, Maybe one of your struggles is that you struggle for peace with God. You long for peace with God, but it's, it's a struggle you very much sense your, your guilt and, and it's hard feeling that peace with God hold on to the fact that if you are in Christ you are in Christ that God looks at you in the same way that he, he looks at his son with so much love there is peace there and it's not because you are perfect but it's because of what Christ has done. So when you're struggling for peace with God, remembering that you are in Christ is a wonderful thing to be able to remember. Or maybe you're struggling with sin. You're feeling down. I hope some of these things have just encouraged you to remember who you are. What is your true identity in in Christ? Because it will impact your life. And remembering that in Christ you have the, the power and the strength to overcome sin and to live for God. It should give us confidence to live for him. Just finally and very, very briefly, what about if you are not in Christ but you want to be? You've heard about some of these things tonight, about peace and about joy, about being... Uh, near to God about being forgiven you've heard some of these things these jewels and you think I'd long for that for myself how can you be in Christ? well very simply John 3 verse 16 very well known for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life that's how we are in Christ by believing in him believing in Christ if we believe in him that he is our saviour that he's died for our sins and we long to follow him as our king then we can rightly say I am in Christ so what I'm going to do just for a few moments I'm going to leave those things up there and just have a minute or so just to reflect maybe there's one or two that you found particularly helpful to think about or that you particularly love God to give to you through Christ. So I'll just give you a minute to reflect on that and then I'll pray before we sing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that by ourselves, Lord, we are guilty. And Lord, there is no way that we could come before you. And yet, Lord, in Christ, Lord, we have all those spiritual blessings and more. And Lord, I pray that for those of us in Christ, Lord, that this would be incredibly special and refreshing for us as we've thought about it tonight. And Lord, for those who don't know you, for those who are outside of Christ, Lord, I pray that you would give them a a sense of need, that they need to be in Christ, safe in Christ. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing once more. Maybe some of you can guess what I've chosen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. Oh Lord God, I pray that we would remember the things that we've heard tonight. Lord, I pray that it may make a difference to our lives. Oh Lord, that those of us who are Christians would remember that phrase, we are in Christ. Oh Lord, that that would very much be our identity, and that we're delighted in it. Lord, I pray that as we go away from this place, as we chat to people, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't forget these things. Oh Lord, that these things may stay with us. And Lord, we look forward to meeting again soon. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.